we are back <laughs> to working it out uh, with Abby Jacobson this week from Broad City. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite shows of all time. One of my favorite comedies of all time. Uh, before we begin, I just want to uh, mention that the virtual shows are selling out. We're doing this bizarro thing where, with virtual shows. We, we have a three-camera setup, and we've lit my whole office to feel like a TV studio, and we have it's interactive. Uh, it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's really fun. You can get tickets at burbigs.com. The first one has sold out, so swap up tickets uh, for the other three. And uh, without further ado, uh, Abby Jacobson is uh, the co-creator with Alana Glazer of Broad City, which is just wildly creative and original and just just makes me laugh so damn hard. I was lucky enough to make an appearance on an episode. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, Abby is a visual artist. She is an author. We end up working out a bunch of stuff. She is very, very smart and a great listener. Like, I couldn't believe how much she was zeroing in on stuff that I was I was I was pitching to her and she was pitching back ideas that I thought were fantastic and are definitely going in my notebook. Uh, I felt so lucky to have this conversation today with the great Abby Jacobson. So uh, and this is a this is a thing that I I was like we should we should talk about this at some point because I feel like we haven't had a proper uh, like discussion of it since it happened. But on your uh, show, Broad City, which I love, and I was in one episode, and we we made out we in made the out. episode, and you directed the episode, and it was yeah, the first I... time you've ever you had directed. <laughs> and um and that was, was so right that was the first episode i directed yep and i and this is just my opinion i feel like i want to set the record straight on television and film making out it is not fun it is not comfortable <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you like the person personally or uh yeah. or, or how pretty they are or whatever like i feel like on talk shows there's this myth where people, you know, actors go on and they like, like, I got to make out with Brad Pitt. And let's just say it was pretty fun. And you're like, <laughs> was it? I don't know. Yes, it's, I mean, you're like being, you're truly like under lights. You're like, you're under You're lights. being like, scru like everything is, like you're, when you're shooting anything, you're being watched. Yes. But this is like different. We had like clothes off. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there were two making out scenes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there was, one, there was like one like in the kitchen and then one in the bedroom. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Man, fuck that director, right? Can I curse? <laughs> Is that bad? No, no, you can totally curse. And uh, she made it, us do that. Yeah, she made us do that. Well, you're that's gonna be like, she made us make out so we had to do so, so many, many takes. takes. She just wanted so many takes. <laughs> it's it it really is. It's awkward because it's like. It reminds me of like the middle school parties where they're like, go in the closet and do this, right? Except we're filming it. And the mean bully in seventh grade who's like, do it, is the director and <laughs> and is your boss, basically. I guess I did a, a good amount of makeouts on Broad City. Mm -hmm. um, I just did one uh, for this 
new show I'm working on, like, I guess just meaning pre-COVID, but it, it's been different. It's different in a comedy kind of. Like oh, it's I know. Like oh, that's, less, a good, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, because I did one, I, I did I did a makeout scene with Asia Kate Dillon on Billions, and that's a more of a drama, and it is different. You're right. Like we, I mean, we were making out there. Like you, you were like, like there was like jokes in the middle of us making out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like so. It's like I mean, it's still not comfortable, but like this last one was like, you had I had to be like fa- really falling for this person. <laughs> it was like a whole other. Situate. I don't know that it was uncomfortable in a di- totally different way where I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It really hangs a lantern on like what the act, <laughs> like I have a joke from years ago, <laughs> which is like when I was in like sixth or seventh grade and people started making out, I was like, people we know are connecting <laughs> mouths with other people we know, <laughs> but how, you know? And like, Honestly, I like still feel that way. Like I'm still like making out is like a little odd to me. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then when we are like put together and in that situation, it it just is heightened in a new way where you're like, what are we doing? (laughs) It's almost like when you like say the same word too many times and it becomes nonsense. (laughs) It's funny because when I, unless I misremember this, the night I remember meeting you and Alana was 2014 at the Bell House for the Vulture.com Festival. That's what oh, I remember. Oh, yes. And I think I was the host. I think I introduced you. And the audience, and I was a fan of your show already, but you know how with TV and in movies, like you just don't know how popular things are anymore? Like you just don't yeah. know. And I introduced you to stage and it was like, the fucking Beatles of Brooklyn. It was like the crowd <laughs> went fucking ape shit. And I think that's in right in the center. I think that's the entire audience is just that audience. <laughs> it was it was it was like there is no there are no two bigger comedians in one one two three one than you and Alana. <laughs> I don't know. I think you get you get applause is like that as well. I but know. I don't think I do. I think people are like, oh yeah, I've seen him at the bagel store. <laughs> I always bring up Broad City as an example when people ask me for advice because a common thing that people ask is like, like, how do I get started? How do I, you know, how do, you know, uh, in, in my, in, I a few years ago, I wrote this thing for the New York Times called how to make it small in Hollywood. And it's like six, I think it's oh called my goodness, I'm six, six tips, six tips for how to make it small in Hollywood. And, and it's basically a lot of it is just like, just make something, you know, yeah. fail, fail making it, make it again, a little better, you know, fail again, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And I always bring up Broad City because it's a quintessential example of, uh, uh, as I understand it, you and Alana made a web series before you had a Comedy Central TV deal, and you were sort of figuring out as you went. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I think Alana and I were like kind of found each other, and we're we're from different places, but like have a lot of similarities. But like this, like what, like even having the show was like never something that we were ever like thinking that was, like, a possibility. Like, no fucking way. Like, what? Like, who does that? 
Yeah. You know, like we even made the web series and like, I, like we made it and just because we just thought we were, we were cracking each other up. And we were like, this is, this dynamic is like ridiculous. That's great. And like heightened, like if we heighten it, it's even more so what the show is. And started making the web series. And to be honest, Paul and Lucia, Paul W. Downs and Lucia Agnello, who are our biggest collaborators on Broad City, they were just friends of ours. And they wrote us after we released the first episode, like both individually, I think they had talked about it together. Um, And they both were like, you need to keep doing this. Oh no, kidding. After the first web like like, like uh, web just episode. as like friends, like this is something. S- keep doing this. Oh, that's so cool. And they, I mean, they weren't involved. They were like Lucia directed an episode. Paul was in one, but like they came after we, sh- we Lucia shot the directed the pilot. But I mean, that just that like you almost need someone who's like te- like we just th- thought those two were just like so funny, and for them to write us, and we weren't that close with them, and. And then we just kind of thought it would be, yeah, we thought at first it would be a jumping off point for us to get, for us to be able to get staffed as as writers. Sure, sure, yeah. Because also we are just not Hollywood type. Yeah, to get a job as a writer on on someone else's show. Yeah, because I think like so much else, it's like sort of ingrained like who should be on television and what those people should look like. Sure. And that was not really Alana and I. And... I think we we had this manager at the time and they were like, Alana, and they need to either gain a lot of weight or lose 20. Like, it was like we were two in the middle. Like, we're just like too average, kind of. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which is so hilarious. And I'm like, I'm happy we didn't work with that person. But um, like whoever our manager spoke to. But it was so like we were in our, we were just like, let's just keep making this. It's so fun. And we worked with like all these UCB people, all these stand-ups in the web series. And it was just like, I, I mean, it was just so fun. Like I write a lot about this in, in my book, but there's like, I think the happiest moment, like there's been a lot of like huge, like holy shit moments in my life regarding like career where I'm like, what? Like you get a call or something, you know? (laughs) Right. But I think the biggest one where like was Alana and I had been doing this, this web series for like two years. We, we were going to do like a finale. We'd been doing these big finales and we had Kristen Shaw was going to be in it. Yeah. And then it rained and we had to push it a week and then this was going to be our 35th episode. Oh, wow. And it got rained out and we were so bummed and Kristen wow. couldn't do it. And we had to reschedule. And then I saw this Time 100, like people, uh, I don't know, things in New York. And I saw this clip of Amy Poehler talking and I was like, she's in New York. <laughs> I was like, Amy's in, Alana, Amy's in New York. That's fucking, that's it. I'm like, if I didn't see that or some, you know, I'm like, and then so we asked her through Will Hines, who was our teacher at UCB. We were like, Do you, could you ever like ask her for us? We know, And he was like, no problem. Oh my and gosh, wow. I will, will never forget, I was at the Astoria Beer Garden at, for someone's birthday. And I got an email. Alana and I got an email that Amy, from Amy, saying that she'd loved, she has been, she had loved watching Bronze City. Whoa. I mean, she knew it. Whoa. But 
she wrote us and she was like, I would love to do it. I'm here this Oh my week. gosh. And I left. I don't know whose birth. I just walked out of the beer garden and I like danced home. <laughs> like I that was like, this day. is it. This is it. Alana then quit her. <laughs> we were nuts. Like I called Alana. She was up. She was in upstate New York shooting some like indie film in the middle of a field. And she like hadn't looked her, her email and we were screaming. Oh my gosh. And like, there's been so many moments like that, but that one, just oh Amy validating. Like yeah. just sometimes when you have someone validate the fact that you yes. are good. Yeah. And like, she wouldn't want to do it if she didn't think something was there. And oh, then from there, not. it was just like, that was it. Alana quit her job. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> Amy said yes to the web series. <laughs> oh my gosh. Stepping away from my episode with Abby Jacobson to send a shout out to our sponsor, One Fresh Pillow. That was one of our first sponsors. Do you remember, Una, we made? Do you remember what we made with One Fresh Pillow? A pillow for for the radio show. Yeah, and you know why we use One Fresh Pillow for the radio for? Because they're really soft. Because they're really, really soft. As a matter of fact, uh, one side offers firm support and the other provides soft support. It was actually designed by a licensed massage therapist. We love these pillows. We couldn't recommend them more highly. Uh, if you go to One Fresh Pillow, Make sure you use the code BURBIGS at checkout for $15 off your first pillow order. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? Use the offer code BURBIGS. You heard it here. Now back to the show. I, I toured extensively with Chris Gethard, and I know he was one of your Love Geth. first UCB improv teachers. He was like my main, I think I took him the most, yeah. He's such a good teacher, such a good yes. improviser in, in stand-up. And, 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 and I remember him telling me on tour that like, that you and Alana, like when, when he, you took classes with him, he immediately sort of saw like, you know, these women are like wildly talented, but they actually don't fit in the exact paradigm of the UCB theater, like like audition for a, a team, an improv team, and then blah, blah, blah. And, and that he was so happy that you sort of just did your own thing. And I think it's like a great example of like, don't wait for people to pick you, sort of like pick yourself. Totally, yeah. He said something to me. I mean, Gethard is like, we check in every once in a while. I mean, he's one of my favorite people. He said something to me once in a class that like shook me. <laughs> I think I wrote it down because he goes deep. He was like- Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, when are you going to take responsibility for who you are? Mm. In like a positive way. Huh. Of like, stop. Like I, I'm like, is this a fucking other or is that a quote from The Vow from Keith Raniere? It seemed, no, but he was saying it like, because I, I mean, I love playing Insecure. That's my go-to. Like, yeah. like Abby yeah. is, like, where is out loud. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a heightened version of just like what's going on in my head. Sure. 
And so me in an improv class, like I know I was good, but I think a lot of, I was just like extremely hard on myself and never had a lot of confidence. And yeah. he was said, he was saying it in the way of like, when are you going to just like, I I took it where, where I interpreted like, when are you just going to own up that you're good? Like, let yourself yeah. be good. It's funny you should say that because it's like that that reminds me when I was doing improv in college, we read the book Truth and Comedy, which is by yeah. Del, Del Close and Sharna Halpern. And and it's and and one of the things they say, and a lot of great improv teachers say this, is play to the height of your intelligence. And I think that that's, that's kind of what you're saying, the advice that you got, which is like sort of like being the best version of yourself and like owning that. Yes. Because it's it's like a willingness to fail at trying to be your best that probably will lead to the funniest scenarios. Because it's actually way funnier, I think, to watch someone try so hard and fail instead of like half-ass trying and failing. Yes. And because like the half-ass trying and failing, you're seeing like the, you're seeing the person like see themselves fail versus just keeping failing. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what, does that make sense? Yeah, well, even your, even your scene with me where I played your high school <laughs> teacher, <laughs> our scene on Broad City, basically the dynamic was, I was your school teacher years before. You were before. like a young teacher young in teacher. high school. Yeah. Young teacher. And then years later, we met on an app called Bumble, I think. It was like a dating yeah. app. And and in in like in some ways that is your character. You're trying to be smart and use like smart <laughs> words and stuff with me, but you're failing at it. And that is exactly what yeah. you're talking about right now. I think. Yes. 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 Yeah. What was? Oh, there's a good one. And you like corrected everything. You, yeah. You, I think you say like, uh, supposedly. And I'm like, oh, actually, Abby, it's supposedly. Yeah, and I was like, wow, like you read the the whole New Yorker, like, <laughs> like oh my god, that's yeah. right. No, I'm but like, it is like rather than well, I guess the, the the you call it out as the teacher, but like I guess there is a thing where like you you don't want to see like it within the failing, just go full and fail. Yes, rather than like notice the failing. While it's yes. happening or something. Actually, I have a really good thing. So I went to just this this term. I went to I'm gonna come back around. This is gonna make sense. Oh, yeah, so I went to art course. I went to art school for yes, undergrad. Yes, I never went right. to grad school, but I, I have a BFA um in general fine arts. Uh and Jerry Saltz, do you yes. happen in Yes. He's a big he's a ma- major art critic. Major art critic. But so he came to speak at MICA, which is where I went to school, Maryland Institute College of Art. And it was all, and this, I was like a sophomore and I went to hear him speak. I didn't know who he was. And his whole speech was about failing flamboyantly. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. And I love that. I love that turn of phrase, failing flamboyantly. That's great. Like do it, if you're going to do it, like fail Like, that means you, like, cared about the thing you were trying to do. Part of the reason why I was like, oh, I should email Abby about the show is that it's all about, like, working out 
stories and new material and new writing and, and ideas. And, and you and I literally like almost exactly a year ago in Los Angeles, when I brought the new one to, to the Amundsen theater, you came to the show and like, we, I feel like we went for coffee or a walk or something. And you were like, I want to write autobiographical stories on, or to, to tell autobiographical stories on stage potentially. And I was, and, and we were going to talk about it. And then, you know, a lot of stuff happened since then. Yeah. I love, I'm, I mean, I told you this the day, but I love that show. And I think that you have just been somebody that you do write. I mean, I think, I think most people do, um, but you really have a way of writing from your life. That's very raw and honest and open and like, it it does cross the line into like it stand up storytelling like it it like it it's more fluid I think than like just stand up. you know what I mean I hope that's okay to, no no I do you feel that it. way yeah, yeah no that's so nice of you do you want to try to tell stories on stage still totally it's just just this missing piece where like I do love that and. I love what you do. And I, lo- I mean, I'm friends with Jacqueline and I loved that show. Oh, yeah. That's, she's, get on your knees is so good. Jacqueline, I mean, Jacqueline I saw show. that. I saw it here in LA. Yeah. Teeny tiny audience at the Lyric. Yeah. I saw it there too. Yeah. And then I saw it at the Cherry Lane. Yeah. And I just, you know, you I mean, Same. she also has just this like wildly specific tone and voice and, I don't know. I was just like very inspired by that show. Yeah. But, uh, but, oh, so this is a thing that we do on the show called the slow round. And it's sort of like prompts and memories from childhood. And, and I was actually rereading Mary Carr's book today. And it's called The Art of Memoir, which I, for the listeners, I highly recommend. Uh, she wrote Liar's Club and Lit and Cherry. It's just, she's a brilliant writer, but she wrote this book about writing memoir. And uh, and there's a slow round question that I thought of from it that I thought I'd debut with you today, which is what do people like and dislike about you? <laughs> Isn't that a crazy question? Oh, no. That's you don't like have to, hard. You can pass. Like, I you think my mind, like, my mind goes bad, goes, like, sad first. Sad is which fine, is though. Telling, sad is fine. You know what I mean? No, no, same, same. Where I'm like, oh, like, like I went there where it's like, I wonder if, and people, is it like for, I, I unfortunately go like, oh, well, like people who don't know me must think this and, or I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But like, we're talking people that know us. I feel like my, yeah. And I'm, I'm actually doing the exercise in my brain because I hadn't done it until literally, because I was just reading this today. I'm just doing the exercise. I'm like, I think what they, people like about me is that I'm I'm generally well intended, and it's like I wear my heart on my sleeve. I think what they don't like about me or dislike about me is I'm annoying. <laughs> 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 and the reason I think that I'm annoying is that whenever I get a glimpse of myself, uh, you know, not as myself, I'm like, oh, that person is annoying. <laughs> Oh my god! It's so it is so interesting. Like what we think about ourselves. Um, I don't think you're annoying. Thank you so much. At all. Uh, okay, what do people like about you? I I would say that that same about me. I think I'm well-intentioned. 
Um, but I guess, I think people like about me that, oh my God, this is hard, Mike. It's hard. Here, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another, maybe we'll circle uh, back. Is there a time in your life, this is this is Mary Carr's one too. If you're, is there a time in your life when you wanted to be perceived in a certain way that wasn't authentic to you? Oh, I have one that's really clear, which is like okay, go go. Which go. is like These when I was in high school. When I, when I was in high school, I went through this phase where I like w- I bought like a cowboy hat and I started like wearing it to like concerts <laughs> and things. And I was like, and I was like, I'm cowboy hat guy. Like that's who I am. Like it was secretly thinking this, and it's so embarrassing and cringeworthy to think about um, because I just. You know, I was just begging for an identity in high school. I just didn't know who I was. Wow. I love, I mean, I love that it was a cowboy hat. That's just adorable. (laughs) Yeah. Were your friends like, what's going on? I didn't, I don't, I didn't have that many friends in that period in my life. And I think the feedback was fine. Fine. Like in hindsight, I don't know if the feedback was anything, but at the time it was like, yeah, no, this seems good. Because I was like meeting like strangers at like concerts in a cowboy hat and, and they were like, yeah, because they were like high. You know, like I would go to like a fish concert or something in like a cowboy hat and people like, cowboy We've talked hat about this. Guy. You know that I used to go to a lot of fish concerts. No, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. My brother was such a fish head and I would like, in high school, all my friends, we would like go to fish concerts, but then they went on a hiatus. Yes. Yes, so I missed a bunch. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Did you ever have an injury in your life that felt like it would never go away? Um, yes. So it's knocking on wood. It still happens. I throw, I mean, I, we put it in Brad City because it was so, I like hurt my, I don't, I didn't do anything, but I, every so often I will hurt my neck, mm, like awful. doing nothing, like an old person. Oh. Um, in a way that makes me, it's like my neck, shoulder, and I'll go to the chiropractor. Like, I don't know what's wrong, but it'll it'll put me completely out of commission. And it started happening in college and it happens. I mean, I really hope it doesn't happen soon, but it happens so much. I am like, have a very good relationship with my chiropractor. Oh my I gosh, wow. wrote a character for him and Alan Alda <laughs> played him. Oh my gosh. Dr. Heller, Dr. J. Heller <laughs> is the <laughs> biggest sweetheart. And he it just is like, was so thrilled that Alan Alda played him. Oh yeah, that's exciting. He's like, I can't believe it. It was like, he put it in his newsletter. Oh wow. That's how much I you go. Made the newsletter. I used to go in there. <laughs> you made the Heller letter. <laughs> the Heller letter, yeah. No, it's called like, adjust... It's called, he has like a pun in- Sure, of course a, he does. Yeah. Of course he does. If you're, if you're a chiropractor with a, with a newsletter, you got a pun in there. Stepping away from my conversation with Abby Jacobson to send a shout out to Merch Table. If you've been to burbigs.com, you may have visited Merch Table. Uh, they do all of my merch It's a small business that supports bands and artists selling T-shirts, posters, books. If you go on burbigs.merchtable.com, you could get a Burbigs zip hoodie, 
signed uh, copies of our book, the new one, uh, vinyl records of the new one, and thank God for jokes. Uh, it's a great bunch of people. It's a great business out of Lawrence, Kansas. Take a look at all of the bands and, and artists that they do merch for, merchtable.com. And now back to the show. This is actually something I'm trying to work on for the new show. The new show that I'm working on is called YMCA Pool. And it's all about middle <laughs> age. It's all about middle age and like hitting middle age. And like basically the the name the reason for the name is that when I was a kid, I went to the YMCA pool. And then I was like, for whatever reason, I was like, I'd never want to go back to the YMCA pool. Like I was just like, I'm never going back. And like, I don't know if it was like the the there's too much chlorine. Or the you know the 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 snack machine room with a coffee maker that also makes soup. I just didn't like it. Just there didn't is, like the yeah, whole yeah. thing. There's a lot going on. A lot going on. D- didn't want to go back. But here I am. I'm 42 years old, and I'm like, my doctor is like, you know, you have type two diabetes. You have bad breathing. You have this. You have this. You should go to the YMCA pool. And so, and so I go to the YMCA pool. But anyway, so I have. So the, it's really the the show, like in some ways, the new one was about like having a child and the, the, my girlfriend's boyfriend was about getting married. And this is really about middle age and like hitting this age where I'm realizing <laughs> that all about like, uh, you know, sort of an existential crisis. And that's what it's yeah. about. But anyway, so which is all to say that I'm working on this material that is somewhat related to that, which is the other day I was free writing about magic <laughs> and now <laughs> and now for the longest time i just hated magic literally for years and so i just free wrote about this the other day i wrote I, I have a bunch of these jokes i just go i hate magic but i love jokes because with jokes you think i could see how he got there and with magic you just think i hate this guy <laughs> and then so that's yeah. my, my first magic you joke. do i know i know but, you know, I never compared the two. They are very similar. It's like a buildup. Yes. And like a, like alluring you in, in a way that like, if both are done, it's like wildly unexpected when you get to the Yeah, I think jokes, jokes and magic are so similar. And I guess that's been compared a lot and maybe I'm just new to that. No, no, <laughs> but, no, yeah. I think they are. Because, you know, I think, yeah, the, you know, the setup, the setup is the thing that's true, and then the punchline is like the right turn. And with magic, it's like, you know, uh, look, I'm just a regular person. Oh wait, I have coins coming out of my finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I have a store. So, so this is the sort of the building blocks of this of this bit, which is a, it's a story about many years ago, my wife Jen and I met this couple and this married couple, and they invited us to their house for dinner. And we didn't know them that well. And it was that thing where you were like, oh, this will be fun. You know, like, I wonder why they even want to hang out with us, you know. And we show up. <laughs> and you know what I mean? You know that I do, feeling? but it's just so funny to, like, I totally relate to that. But it is so funny for that to be like, why do they want to hang out with us? That's, like, the one thought. It's, like, only the insecurity of not, like, I wonder what they're going to make. It's like, why do they invite us? No, I know. It, it goes back to the insecurity thing we were talking about before, which yes. is something we have in common. So so that we show up, and the first thing they say is like, this is our son, Eric, you know, who's oh. like 12. He's a big fan of yours. 
and he loves magic and he really wants to show you a magic trick. And Jen and I lock eyes because we both know my secret is I hate magic. And so, so I have to be like, that's great, you know? And so I'm escorted to like a little like table, you know? And Eric, you know, this 12 year old kid like does a card trick. And he's watching me watch the card trick. And I have to do the best acting of my life. Oh, no. Better than my work on Broad City to pretend that this is, this is such a good trick. And I go, I go, oh, my gosh. That was wonderful. This is such an excellent trick. And, and it was painful because I'm lying yeah. in front of my wife, which is embarrassing because she knows what it looks like when I lie. And she knows I hate magic. And then Eric can see it. The kid can see it on my face. And he's like, oh, I messed it up. I have to do it again. Oh, no. And I I had to go, no, you didn't mess it up. It was perfect. It was the best magic (laughs) trick I've ever seen. And he did it again. And I had to act more excited than when I said it was the best magic trick I've ever seen. Oh, my. Are the parents right there, too? The parents are there. Everyone's watching. Oh, and, my. And, and then I had to be like, that was even better. He does it. He does it. <laughs> that was even better than the other time, which I, I couldn't even conceive of at this point. At this point, I'm just... It goes back to our improv stuff. I'm just yes-anding anything they're putting in front of me. It's also just like the more dialogue that you have to say about the magic trick, the more it's obvious that it's like mediocre or whatever. Because you're like, no, that wasn't. It's like you're, the, the, the reaction like is just telling where you're like talking about it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's only making it worse. It's, it's only, only making, making it worse. It worse. <laughs> no, 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 right. It, we, if it was successful, it would be self-explanatory. Yes. Like you wouldn't even have to say how you felt. Uh, okay, so then I go, at this point, I'm just yes-anding anything they're putting in front of me because we really like the couple. Like I stated earlier, we really want to be friends with them. So we're like game for anything. Like if the couple had said like, well, the, now the adults shall adjourn to the bedroom and have a four-way. We would have been like, that sounds great. As long as that we don't have better. to watch your kid do a magic <laughs> trick. Anyway, uh, we were never invited to dinner again. But last year, I ran into the dad uh, of the family. And I said, <laughs> I said, how's Eric's magic? And he said, you know, Eric doesn't do magic anymore. No. And I said, oh, I go, that's too bad. Because that magic trick he showed me was the best magic trick I, I had ever seen. I can't believe you're acting to this dad. <laughs> and I think that my acting had gotten better since the incident 10 years ago because his dad believed me. He did? Yeah, he believed me. I wonder if Eric's doing magic now. No, he quit. I think. Well, I no. I, I mean, yeah. after his dad came home and was like, "I ran into Mike." Oh, maybe he picked it up again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so, so anyway. The, the way that this whole story, I feel like, is going to fit into the show, is a, it's essentially thematically having to do with like 
having to do with like being jaded about things, but then revisiting those things. You know, like in other words, like I do hate magic and I've hated magic for many years, but then like, I'll be honest with you. Like I saw now my friend Derek Delgadio's magic one person show. I should say it's a, a one person show that has magic in it. He's like a brilliant ma magician. I saw it like, I think two years ago, it's going to be a, a, a film soon. It was at South by Southwest that Frank Oz directed. And, and then Abby, true story. Now I love magic. I Whoa, actually, so maybe I had a one eighty until you see, like, I don't know if I've seen like a great, a great magic show. I think I did a 180 on magic because I think in some ways it's like a metaphor for all things, which is like, if you see a bad version of something, you're like, I don't like that thing. But actually it's not that you don't like that thing. It's that you haven't seen so it, it done that well. <laughs> yeah. But it also makes me think like, like, why would I... Like I it, like you know when I was talking about like a party like that where somebody has like a magician like I immediately like eye roll inside. Oh, I know it's painful. But it's like why can't you just like just experience just go with it? Like yeah. it's just trying to like make you feel things. That is a it's just really trying good point. to take you on an experience, and it's like no. Like, we're like, I don't believe this bullshit. It's like, why is that the approach? Because we're so, like, set in, like, reality or something? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is that? I completely know what you mean. I actually think that what you're saying is something I'm going to jot down for— Like, for let it of, wash over you. Like, let it take yeah. you away, Mike, yes. you know? Like, yes. Well, no, because ultimately, like, all that we're doing, whether we're telling jokes or putting on a sketch show or, or doing magic— is we're just creating some piece of escapism or fun, you know, as, yes. a, as a respite from the madness that is existence. And like me hating magic in some ways is so much more about me than it is about the magician. Yes. Oh, it's it's because you hate it before you even see it. I hate magic because I hate myself. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Abby Jacobson uh, to, to send a shout out to a sponsor that thematically is actually very similar to this Broad City origin story. Like they were self-financing a web series before it became a Comedy Central series and they had a very pure vision. And, and, and that's a lot of what Patreon does. They support artists. They offer a better way for creators to do more of what they love. They help creators build a sustainable income source by offering a recurring paid membership to people who love their work. In turn, fans get access to exclusive community, premium content, and the chance to become active participants in the work they love. If you're a podcaster, video maker, musician, writer, illustrator, uh, check out patreon.com. And now back to the show. Do you have a story that you're considering telling on stage, but like you're not sure? Okay, so I'm like not there yet because I am in this like, I haven't been able to do, even you talking about free writing and like prompts. When we met, you were talking about, you said something to me where it's like, write about the thing you're most afraid of people knowing about you. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. That, and 
you know, I think I, I, so I did in the, the book and I've yes. been thinking about, you know, this book was like a collection of essays and like lists and things. Uh, and I drove, uh, it's uh, called, about just, so, me. just so the listeners know the book is called, I might regret this. Uh, and the subtitles is essays, drawings, vulnerabilities, and other stuff. It's a really good book. Thanks. Um, but it's like supposed to exist as like a sliver of my life. You're really supposed to feel like you're on this road trip. I drove from LA to New York. Yeah. And I was really heartbroken and just like really figuring myself out. It was like a, it was just like, it was after I dated a woman for the first time, after I'd been in love for the first time. And I was just like really going through it solo, you know? Yeah. And it was so cathartic to write about that. And so ultimately the thing for me, the thing that I would lean into probably is like, oh no, like I'm going to be alone. Like I'm meant to be alone. Like that kind of a, the fear or thinking behind that. It's weird. We talked about the like fitting in and stuff. And like, it's not that I don't feel like I fit in. I guess I just feel like a little... I've always felt like isolated and like a little detached. But I feel like that that is such a, 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 a that's such a fertile area to go into because I feel like it's so relatable and people are so reluctant to admit that the fear of being alone that's massive. I know, and that I felt that way, like in the response to the book, and even just like you know, I was like realizing my sexuality in my early thirties. Like what, how does that happen? Yeah. Like, how do you know, like, where, where was I? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right, right. Where was, it's like, but it also, it's so, I don't know. Like there's, so I do think there's a lot in there and I feel like the response from the book in a lot of ways made me feel like I would want to do it. Like in the, the first essay I wrote in the book was, um, like this ex-girlfriend that I had and like when I was going to see her Mm -hmm. and like, well, when would I see her and like how and where? And I just like, I mean, it, it like goes on and you're supposed to like feel the tone shift. It's like, it's like anxiety inducing of like going through the most absurd ways in which you could, I could run into her. Yeah. Like batshit crazy. And I feel like it's not just with your ex, but like there's all these people like kind of floating around that like you know you're gonna run into in the at the worst time. So that with that ex girlfriend, where did you fear that you'd run into her? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I let myself like go. It was like honest, but also like like I'm not. I can't. One was like, what if I'm in a bookstore and but I'm in the like I'm like holding. I'm not in the like you know poetry section i'm in the fucking like i'm holding like guy fieri's book oh yeah and but maybe i have been holding that book because i happen to be buying that book for someone who happens to love guy fieri but like she would see me holding it (laughs) and i wouldn't be able to say that it's for my stepdad but like why couldn't i be holding the fucking book like i can't remember and then it was like what if i'm what if i'm waiting in line uh like it got so crazy it was like what if i decided i wanted to take diving lessons (laughs) 
Because I've never dove. And I think underwater is like this whole other life that we don't get to experience. So I decided to take diving lessons because I i don't have a trip plan, but I, you know, I could plan a trip. But if I'm going to plan a trip, I should probably know how to dive first. And so I plan the diving lessons. And what if I, I'm down there and I'm really getting a hang of the breathing and the air and because that can take a while because it's like you're underwater. It's hard to breathe. You have to get used to the tanks and all this. And then I'm all the way down at the bottom of the pool. And what if she's, what if she's down there at the bottom of the pool? She is taking diving lessons too, but oh maybe God. she has a trip planned. Like it just oh like, I really like the like spinning. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then that. it's like, and then you're down there and you can't say anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I like going like absurd yeah, where yeah, it yeah. starts like, I don't know. And that just was when I got that essay, like when I got the like game of it, it was so fun even though it was like a real thing of like, fuck, I'm going to see, I'm going to see her. And it's probably not going to be in a great time. Yeah. Like one was like, what if I'm on rollerblades and I can't stop because those things, you know, and I keep going down the hill. I don't know. It was just like, so at the core of that is like, it's not about that, that girlfriend or like any of those places, but it's just about the feeling of, 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 like caring so much about someone and then knowing there's going to be this moment when you're reunited and what that feels like and how it gets so heightened in our brains before it even happens. So like when I hear you talk about like this fear of being alone, I feel like that's a great thing to have a show about. I'm like, yeah, there's a ton there. And part of the reason I think there's a ton there is because it's a confession. It's not yeah. something that you bring up the first, you know, if you if you met someone you at a bring, coffee shop. I don't ever bring it up. No, totally. <laughs> totally. It, it's, it's, it, and that's that's when you know you're in a good place, in my opinion. It's like if it feels like you're confessing something to the audience or admitting something. And combined with that, it's really funny. So, like, all the details you have about a fear of, like, running into your ex-girlfriend, all that stuff, is that stuff's all really funny. And so then it's like... Do you have an event? The question I would ask if I were being right. a dramaturg is like, do you have an event in your life that you remember that epitomizes that fear of being alone? Like, for example, when you're alone, like when you're alone at home, is that when it sets in? Is it in the middle of the night? Is it in your dreams? Is it when, you know, you go home for holidays for your family or something? Do you know what like the the kicker is? Hmm. I love being alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Like there is a dico- like there is a thing and like maybe that's like I don't know. That's where like, maybe that's where I it lands. Get the end. Yeah, because I'm like no. I love being alone. It's just the deep aloneness that I don't like. Like I'm like I would love to like yeah, have a partner where you're like living, sharing your life. But I'm like, I need to, I need like solid, solitary time too. Yeah. But I'm like, I think that's, it is so, it is so funny though. Like for someone like me who loves their alone time to be so, I like about how I'm never going to meet someone that I would be able to like, you know, live with or any of this. And then for me to just love being alone yeah, is quite funny like yeah, I, yeah. i'm not i like yeah. the turn of that mm-hmm. i think that's really good i mean i feel like i feel like there's a lot there i just feel like also 
there's a specificity to solitude and how you like to be alone that I feel like people would, yeah. would lock into. I mean, and also that's the thing that I think I come off as not that way. Sure. Too, which like adds to it. I don't know if it adds to it in a good way or a bad way for me, but. And also like why the fear of being alone, like let's say if you land on this idea of like, wait a minute, I like, I enjoy solitude is like, then then I, I think a question I would ask is like, then why were you searching for uh, a partner all along? I don't know, Mike. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I'm going to do two quick jokes to wrap up, if that's okay. Love it. My wife and I do a lot of sexting. The other night she wrote, the ants in the kitchen attacked the English muffins. And I wrote, man, I want to fuck you. And she wrote, <laughs> I'm going to freeze the pumpernickel. And I knew what she meant. And then, so, so, and then I, and then the second part of that joke, and this is, this one's, by the way, if I ever found out my wife was sexting with someone else, I would be like, that is brutal. But we do have unlimited talk and text on our family plan. So financially, <laughs> I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I so, love that. So that's sort I of also fun. envision you both texting from the same place, which I love. Yeah, and it is, of course, from the same place. And then the other thing I wrote is, uh, uh, and Jen actually, <laughs> Jen actually wrote an ending to this, which I think is really nice, which is... Um, when I was a kid, before I knew what sex was, people alluded to the Playboy channel uh, on TV, you know? And yes. based on context clues, <laughs> I imagined <laughs> that it was just people completely naked, like walking around in circles. <laughs> anyway, that's how my wife and I have sex to this very day. <laughs> and it took a very long time for us to make a baby. <laughs> That's her line. It's a, her line is it took a long time for us to make a baby, which I love. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to mm. tie into YMCA pool, but I'm still in sort of the free association and free writing part of this stuff. Kind of like ties back into like the child, like like the moment you decided to stop, like the pool wasn't for you. Yes, yes, it's that's right. It's almost the same mentality of like the what is sex? That's a good point. Like yeah. the before, because like you did, there is a moment where everything becomes like, it just changes over to like adult mind. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And that's also like similar to this thing in, in YMCA pool where I talk about when I <laughs> when I was a kid, I went to the YMCA pool and I have like this stigma with the YMCA because my mom, when I was five, brought me into the women's locker room and I had never seen a vagina before. And then I saw 100 vaginas. And when I was six, she sent me into the men's locker room. And the only thing more shocking than 100 vaginas is 100 penises at eye level. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that ties into the Playboy channel, actually. Yeah, for sure. It's also hilarious if that was like why... Like, and like in, in telling this, the sex one, you like realize why you stopped liking the YMC. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Where it's like, oh my God, it was like all the dick or I don't know right. not that, but like, it's like, 
it's like, and now you're not, it's also funny. It's like, you're not, you're at a different eye level now. It's a totally different experience. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that turn of phrase. And now I'm at a different eye level. Yes. I'm not at, it's like, I'm not at, means I'm no longer at dick eye level. Yeah. <laughs> They're still there, but I'm now up here. This is the part of the show we call Working It Out for a Cause. Is there a nonprofit that you want to contribute to or to shine a light on today? Yes, there is a New York-based um, organization that I'm kind of involved with called Girls Right Now. Okay. But it's uh, right, like W-R-I-T-E. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. Um, it just is a really incredible New York organization that encourages and sets up all all these girls all over the city with mentors and writing That's programs. That's so good. And like, they put out, um, I think they put out an annual or multi-annual publication of their writing. And it's like, they have this incredible success rate. I've been to a couple of their fundraisers and galas. Oh, nice. I just followed, I followed them on Instagram, which is at girls right now. And uh, the description is New York City's premier creative writing and mentoring organization for high school girls and gender nonconforming youth. And uh, and it, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's really like, it's like, I think they initially approached Alana and I to do something and now I'm just like on board. I just love what they do. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, I can't tell you how helpful this was to oh my gosh, making it was me so think about it. so fun the, yeah. to brainstorm like that. Thank you so much for thinking of me and for having me on. It was, it really made my... I don't know what time is now, but I feel like it made my, it truly like made my week, made Aww. my month. Um, yeah. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. Wow, that was another episode of Working It Out. Man, that Abby Jacobson is brilliant. She is, uh, I feel so lucky that she came on and kicked around ideas. I hope we work on something together someday. She's just such a fascinating person to bounce stuff off of and hear her ideas. And man, I could, by the way, I couldn't recommend Broad City more highly. I mean, people ask me for recommendations for comedy specials all the time. And there's so many that I recommend, but man, like Broad City is a great show to binge. It'll it'll really make you laugh. Oh, one quick thing. If you like the podcast, do a little uh, star rating on the Apple podcast thing. Maybe write a little review. Say, even just say what your favorite episode is. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Verbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Assistant editor Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to Mike Consiglieri, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz. Special thanks always to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for our music. And as always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, is at your local bookstore. Local, 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 buy local everything right now. We must do this all winter. Support local pizza, local groceries, local everything, local bookstores. And as always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created a radio fort with the help of one fresh pillow. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. You must tell also your enemies. We are working it out.